Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, the team has made some changes to their practice squad roster. We'll give you the updates. Plus, they also had a visitor in for a workout on Thursday, so we'll give you the details on that. And the great NFL mind, Rich Eisen, he joined my radio show on Thursday to talk all things silver and black. You'll hear that conversation, plus more Raider alumni from late last week. It's all coming up on Friday's edition of the Locked On Raider podcast, September 2nd, 2022. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. Welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the Locked On Raider podcast free and available on all platforms. And today's episode is being brought to you by BetOnline.net. They got you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline.net, that's where the game starts. And of course, I'll tell you a lot more about them coming up later on in the show. But let's go ahead and get into the news and notes segment of uh, today's show. Got a lot to get to on today's show as we close out the week. Really strong head into Labor Day weekend. But uh, news and notes right here and off top, the Raiders practice squad had a little bit of a shakeup on Thursday. They signed defensive back J.R. Reed and offensive line Vitaly German to the practice squad. Reed, a six foot 195-pound defensive back, spent time on the practice squad for the Rams in 2020 before signing with the Giants active roster in 2021. He has appeared in six 16 career games and had nine total tackles on defense and six stops on special teams. Played three seasons at Georgia after transferring from Tulsa. As far as German goes, he's a 6'4", 310-pound offensive lineman, entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent with Kansas City Chiefs in 2022. He was waived at the end of training camp and now assigned with the Raiders on their practice squad. So the Raiders had to make a corresponding move, and what they did, they released tackle Bam Olusini. And I guess technically they didn't have to make a corresponding move because they had only 14 guys on the practice squad. They can have up to 16, and since they added two, I mean, that could have been this total 16. Team, but they released tackle Bam Molasini. He's a guy that a lot of folks thought had an opportunity to really kind of latch on with the Raiders and uh, develop and then be a guy, but uh, he did not make the cut. So he ended up getting moved on from uh, getting released from the practice squad. And that's just the nature of the beast. Something that I've been talking about saying, hey, just because this is the initial 53-man roster or because this is the initial practice squad doesn't mean things are going to change quick, fast, and hurry. And there's a lot of days before the 11th, which is the first game of the season against the Chargers. So there's still going to be more moves along the way. But as of right now, signed defensive back J.R. Reed, Vitaly Gurman, the offensive lineman, and then release, bam, Olasini. Another little side note real quick on uh, on the offensive tackle that was just signed to the practice squad, German. Uh, this is from Jason Horowitz, the Raiders' new play-by-play voice. Really good dude. Had him on my radio show. I've had him on the podcast a couple times. Just a really good dude. But he put out this nugget because you know he covers college football like a glove as well. He tweeted out, less than 24 hours after announcing the practice squad, the Raiders added Vitaly German instead of Bam Olasini. He said, I did Toledo Rockets game last year. Here are the notes. First four years at Division II school in Pennsylvania, left guard. First seven games, back to left tackle. Old school, big, and strong. So there's some versatility right there when it comes to German, but anyone who's been paying attention to the silver and black knows that the offensive line is a question mark, and of course the tackle is the biggest question mark. But we do know that this new regime, what they're looking for is versatility. If you could play tackle and you could play guard, you're a guy that's really going to fit in with what they're looking for. So that's probably the reason why a guy like Bam is made expendable because a guy like German could come in and play two spots as opposed to one. 
Wanted to bring you some sounds from Thursday's practice. That was actually the first practice that I was not able to attend since practice is starting a little bit later. It's ending later, and that means the media sessions are starting a little bit later. And of course, I have my radio show on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920, starting at 2 o'clock every single afternoon. So got to make a decision, right? Got to make a business decision if I'm going to be at practice or if I'm going to be on the radio. So, of course, I got to be on the radio at 2 o'clock. But Cleve Furl, Amir Abdullah, and Nate Hobbs all spoke to the media on Thursday. So just wanted to bring you a few sounds from what Nate Hobbs had to say because I think he's in for a big time year I really do think he's going to play multiple positions all over that Raiders defense outside inside he might even drop back at safety at times I just think Nate Hobbs is a football player and anywhere he lines up on the field is going to be a good thing so just have a couple sound bites from what he had to say including how is he different now as opposed to a year ago I think I have a better understanding of where people need to be and where they will be on the field on offense and defense. I think I got a, a good understanding of what route concepts, you know what I'm saying, teams want to throw at when we in a specific defense in a specific shell. So. so there's Nate Hobbs talking about his growth, where he is now from a, a year ago, and it really sounds like it's mentally. You know, he understands the game mentally. It's nothing more physical. Uh, he could play that role. He showed that his rookie year. But just understanding the game and understanding what opposing teams want to do and when they're lined up, okay, this is what they're going to be looking for. And we all know that the mental part of the game is what separates the guys. So, again, I do believe that Nate Hobbs is going to be in for a special season. think that he's going to be probably one of the best players on that Raiders defense and there's no doubt in my mind he's the best corner in that cornerback room. So another soundbite that I wanted to bring to you from Nate Hobbs on Thursday was about his matchups with Devontae Adams in practice. And uh, I saw him up close to personal, thought they were great. Sometimes Devontae Adams won because, well, he's Devontae Adams and he's going to win. Other times, Nate Hobbs won because, well, Nate Hobbs is a dog and he doesn't back down to anybody. So he was asked about ending up matching up with Devontae Adams. How did that happen so much in camp? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know what I'm saying? He's, he's if not the best one of the best, um, I think, players in the league, not even just receivers, players in the league. So if you want to be play at a high level, like, and, and that's my opponent, you know what I'm saying, who I match up with, why, why wouldn't I get those reps? You know what I'm saying? But then when once a couple guys uh, went down during camp and, uh, you know what I'm saying, slight injuries, I was pushed into that corner role which I was comfortable playing and it just ended up me being me and him a lot and I take that opportunity uh, willingly because he can only do nothing but make me better. That's the right attitude to have right there. You go up against the best, it's only going to make you better, right? And that's what I saw. I saw that happen right in front of my eyes. I continue to see Nate Hobbs get better and better and better. Going up against Devontae Adams is only going to sharpen your your sword, right? And that's that's the reality of it. And that's another reason why I think Nate's going to be so good. He's going up against a guy in practice every single day that is better than anyone he's going to go up against uh, throughout the course of the year, in my opinion. In my opinion. I don't. I mean, and I'm not looking at the schedule right now, thinking about the wide receivers that he's going to go up against or potentially could go up against, but I, I would put Devontae Adams and take Devontae Adams over any of those cats. So that's why I feel confident in saying that. Just got a couple more quick sound bites from Nate Hobbs, and one is on the cornerback room. It's changed a lot from what it was last season. Of course, he learned a lot from Casey Hayward. Now he's pretty much the leader in that uh, in that cornerback room as far as I'm concerned. So uh, how has it changed so much from last season? Here's Nate Hobbs talking about that. I think these one of the most competitive guys I've ever been around. They make me so much better, whether it's Rock, whether it's Double A, whether it's Amik Robertson, whether it's Sam, Bryce. And I can name any of the guys in there. We all 
come every day and, and, and put it out there, like put it out there in 100 degree weather. And that just shows like we don't really care. You know what I'm saying? That the, the outside circumstances don't matter to us. We're going to bring it every day. So I'm just grateful to be around these guys, man. There's Nate Hobbs right there talking about that cornerback room. You heard him mention Anthony Averett. That's AA talking about Sam Webb, talking about Rocky Asin. I mean, there's just some really good players in that uh, in that cornerback room that he's feeling really confident in being around. And so only time will tell how good that unit really can be. But it uh, feels like that they all really believe in each other. And again, I saw them out there competing in a major way every single day in practice. So again, one of the guys that he mentioned was Sam Webb. So here's Nate Hobbs talking about the undrafted free agent out of a D2 school that we uh, highlighted on the show yesterday. Here's Hobbs on Sam Webb. Yeah, Sam, man. <laughs> Sam Young, but he he I don't think he know what he has. He could be a great player in this league, but as long as he keeps coming in every day and doing doing what he does, it's, it's just gonna happen. Like when you put the work in, I believe good results. You know what I'm saying? Come to you at that matter of time. So Nate Haas briefly talking about Sam Webb right there, and it was funny when he laughed and he was talking about. I don't think Sam knows what he's got. Seems like a young guy that's very uber talented, and he just needs to kind of learn how to work on his game and how to study and how to be a pro. Sounds like a guy that's just kind of you know wet behind the ears right now, but has an opportunity to grow. I mean that that's what I took away from what Nate Hobbs had to say about Sam Webb, and uh, you know you heard the conversation that we had on the show on Thursday. Here here on the Locked On Raiders podcast about Sam Webb, and he was just an athletic dude. You know, he was a guy that at some point uh, the opposing team stopped throwing at him. So I think that he's just got to learn that the NFL is totally different than college. And it just, it, again, it just sounds like he needs some time to grow and learn how to be a pro. And hopefully Nate Hobbs can help him be that guy because I do think he has an opportunity to be pretty special in the NFL. A couple more little uh, nuggets I have for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Speaking of uh, the cornerback room, former Raider cornerback Darius Phillips signed with the Broncos. They added him to their 53-man roster. Apparently, they needed a guy to play that outside role of veteran corner, and they decided that Darius Phillips was their guy. So, recently was released by the Silver and Black, and now he's staying in the AFC West, at least for now, staying in the AFC West to play with the Denver Broncos. Actually, I saw him catching a little bit of heat on uh, on Twitter because he hadn't changed his, uh, his little profile picture yet, and he still was in a Raiders uniform, and I guess Bronco fans were giving him some hell. So, he was like, hey, man, can you guys give me a minute? Man, I just got the job like relax I got you I'll change it but uh yeah he was catching a little bit of heat for that so Darius Phillips now a member of the Denver Broncos and my final note is uh the Raiders had a visitor in on Thursday uh also talking about the offensive line they hosted veteran offensive lineman Joe Hag on on Thursday uh he was a versatile offensive lineman was released by the Steelers after they traded for Jesse Davis so he's a guy that again has that versatility something that Dave Ziegler something that Champ Kelly something that Josh McDaniels covered in a major way Guys that could play multiple roles. I mean, I, I could say that and say it and say it until I'm blue in the face, but that's what they want. Guys that can do multiple things are going to be guys that thrive on this team. So there you go. Joe Hag was in for a visit on Thursday. No no news on if he signed or not, but uh, he did come in to visit. So obviously uh, the Raiders know that they need to continue to address the offensive line. It's not where it needs to be yet. So we feel like, at least I feel pretty confident, that they uh, that they know who the starting five is going to be, at least for now, with Colton Miller being the left tackle. I think Dylan Parham's going to be the, the left guard. Then you have Andre James at the center position. You have uh, Lester Cotton Sr. at the right guard position. And then Jermaine Luminor is the right tackle as of right now. We'll see if that changes or how quickly that could change, but right now, 
That's what it is. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, I had the great Rich Eisen on my radio show, Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness on Thursday. You'll hear that conversation as he talks all things Raiders, and we'll do it next here on the Locked On Raiders podcast after I tell you about the title sponsor, BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs, sports information all season long. They got the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including all the week one matchups for the NFL and also they got college football covered like a glove there you continue to source for all your sports wagering information live uh, betting esports and scores and again all your favorite sports and events Major League Baseball MMA boxing golf college football NFL uh, everything that you can imagine they have you covered head to the website today on your laptop or your mobile device learn about the trends and all the action betonline.net that's where the game starts your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to bring to you the conversation I had on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, on Thursday with the great Rich Eisen. Of course, he was on NFL Network. He's on NFL Network, does a lot of really good things, has his own show, The Rich Eisen Show, and it airs on my radio station, Raider Nation Radio 920. So I ran into him in Canton, Ohio. I had an opportunity to catch up with him and been working on this interview for a long time, right? I mean, he's a guy that's been talking very highly about the silver and black for quite a while. So anytime he talks about it on the show, I like to bring a little soundbite to the show. But I told him in Canton, I was like, hey, man, uh, I got to get you on the show. You've been high on the Raiders for a while now, probably before anyone else nationally. So I need need you to come on the show. And so we have been working it out. We've been trying to work it out. We just kind of hitting and missing for the longest time. Finally got an opportunity to catch up with him on Thursday. And before we got into any kind of conversation about the Raiders this upcoming season and what they could potentially do, I wanted to ask him about his trip to Canton, Ohio, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and in particular the party for Cliff Branch that we were both at where we had a lot of time to talk about the silver and black, a really good conversation. What a fun night. What a fun party that was. Well, I mean, whenever uh, two men um, can meet one another and then watch Diana Ross sing, it's forever, you know? (laughs) So I think we're forever, quite honestly now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. And that's that's true. Diana Ross was fantastic. And that was just a really good time. And as I mentioned before, man, I definitely uh, appreciate you and everything you've been saying. So, uh, you know, this this season and leading up to this season about the Raiders. And we just had a call from our guy, Raider Mack, and said, hey, tell Rich Eisen we appreciate him because he's been talking about the Raiders, been talking him up before anyone else. What made you believe that the Raiders were going to be a really good team early before anyone else was on this uh, this train? I just love Max Crosby. I love um, Derek Carr. I love Darren Waller. Um, I love Hunter Renfro. I love, um, you know, the additions of of Adams and um, Chandler Jones. I mean, the Raiders, you could make the case, added two future Hall of Famers to their roster that um, came closest uh in the AFC to knocking off the, the, the Bengals, you know, I mean, um, I know Cincinnati came, you know, at, at tough games in Tennessee and obviously Kansas city, but they're, you know, the Raiders had an opportunity with the ball to, you know, um, stay alive in the playoffs. And I, I, I just like the way they finished. And last year with a, disastrous season that could have unfolded with John Gruden's firing and departure and then what happened with Henry Ruggs the third and 
how the team stuck together and with Rich Basaccia made the playoffs and played one of the most remarkable final games of a regular season. And then, uh, like I said, uh, uh, kept kept on keeping on despite numbers upon numbers of issues that they were thrown their way. And uh, as Derek Carr said in his press conference, turning down the uh, opportunity to give a new news cycle to Dana White's revelation, <laughs> um, you know, uh, that, that hopefully the drama ends and, right. um, and Josh McDaniels arrives. And uh, I think McDaniels will clearly be a better coach uh, his second time around, potentially in the same way that Belichick was. So put it all together, and I am very, very high on the Las Vegas Raiders. Their offensive line concerns me if I had a concern. Um, so... Uh, I'm 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 eager to to see how it all goes and um, look forward to it. Talking again with Rich Eisen here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Let's talk about that offensive line. That's the big elephant in the room. How do you think head coach Josh McDaniels addresses that offensive line? As it is the it is the question mark on the team. Well, I I think what he does is um, is get that ball out fast. <laughs> You know, and that's yeah. what his offense with Tom Brady for all those years was so terrific at doing, which is see it, know it, get it out. And um, and so you've got a quarterback that can do it, and you've got um, some incredible threats um, uh, at, the, at the wide receiver position and tight end position to get the ball out to and have matchup problems created. Uh, I mean, when you look at Mike, uh, you know Josh McDaniels' offense, the offense that New England was running, there was Welker and there was Edelman, and now you've got Hunter Renfro, who I think is absolutely as good as those two, um, and can create those problems from the slot. And then you've got Waller, who is, um, you know, a Gronk type player, one would say, in that position. Um, and then Devontae Adams is maybe the best receiver to uh, be run in that Patriot-style offense since Randy Moss. Right. So um, throw it all in, in the hopper, and, you know, the weapons are there, and the quarterback is there to get the ball out fast. Um, the run game, you know, is kind of a mystery to me right now. Uh, either Josh Jacobs is adored to the point where they were running him in the preseason – or he's being put on display because they want him out of there. I, I, I can't get a read on that one. Um, but, you know, the numbers of people that I speak to around the league who are um, talking about the AFC West, which is everybody, um, <laughs> thinks that the Raiders' offensive line is, is what's going to hold them back from winning a division that now features Russell Wilson and uh, an improved Chargers team and a revamped Chiefs team on offense with Tyree Kilgon. I think that's why the opportunity is there for the Raiders to go ahead and do it. You mentioned uh, Julian Edelman, and he was recently a guest on your show, and he's pretty high on the Raiders as well, and especially from a guy that's been there, done that, played in that system. How much did that kind of you know resonate with you when he, he thought that the Raiders were going to be a really good team as well? Um, you know, I, 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 I trust in Jules, you know. So um, he – he was there actually visiting with the team um, and he sees it firsthand. He knows McDaniels. And I, I just like hearing when people echo what I've been saying, I haven't heard that quite. I haven't heard that at all. Right. So, um, you know, um, I haven't heard it um, very much. So I'm kind of out there a little bit on an Island. Um, you know, I've already just had my game day morning meeting for next Tuesday's kickoff show on NFL network. 
and um, none of the none of the uh, other guys are going to choose the Raiders to win the division. I kind of like standing out there, and uh, I'm on an island on it, and I'll I'll either you know get off that island or 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 be marooned on it. I I, I look forward to finding out because it's going to be a hell of a season starting with Raiders at Chargers in Week One. No, it really will be. Uh, excited about that. All the Raider Nation is excited about that trip to L.A., to SoFi Stadium. Again, we're talking with Rich Eisen right now here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And, you know, Rich, one thing that I've been pointing out from being at practice, at training camp and everything, is the attention to detail that Josh McDaniels has and his coaching staff has on everything. And we saw the preseason games. The last one, they only had one penalty for 10 yards. And I don't know how much of that translates into the regular season, but I feel like when you have a lot of backups playing and not the starters and they still have no no turnovers and only one penalty in that final game. That kind of goes a long way to say what kind of team this could potentially be. Yeah, you know, and like I said, it's just going to be a dynamite season. You know, the 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 NFL, uh, AF, the, the AFC is as deep as it's been maybe since I've started covering the the league in 2003 with NFL Network. It's so deep. Um, and then here in Los Angeles, you've got defending world champion uh, in the Rams who added Bobby Wagner and Allen Robinson and, and uh, appeared to be ready to roll one more time here, yeah. um, keeping much of the core of the team together. I don't know. I mean, they, they lost a couple of players, but nobody that I think is going to handicap them to winning it all. Um, so uh, the Cowboys are always of interest. Green Bay is the one that lost Devontae Adams. We're eager to see that. The 49ers, with their decision, to keep the quarterback who yeah. the young second-year player replaced, keep the guy as his backup is something I've never seen in 20 years. So there's just so much interest everywhere, and to me, the Raiders are right up there. Wanted to ask you just what you thought about the the job that the front office has done. You know, they bring in uh, their draft class. Every one of them makes a 53-man roster, and then four undrafted free agents also make the 53-man roster. What does that tell you about the team when, they, when they're able to have a, a, a staff and a roster like that? I, that's a good question. I mean, uh, you know, the general sense is, well, when somebody picks up a whole bunch of players that got cut by other teams and you take them on, well then, you're 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 kind of desperate to find quality players. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it really is again, like I said, Josh McDaniels' um, team now, and nobody really knows what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what Devontae Adams looks like because they didn't play him in the preseason, and smartly so. And you know, it's just so rare for a team to pick up a, somebody as talented at that position. Um, in, in the prime of his career, it's so rare, and then even more rare. I don't think there's any you can't compare it. That normally, when somebody you know joins a, no, a new team and they got to hook up with a new quarterback and get on the same page and get a chemistry going and learn one another, well, these two guys go way back. I mean, and they've been trying to play with one another on the same team for quite some time, and I don't think they're going to have to you know, learn each other. They, they, they already know which one, what, what, what their mannerisms are, what they like and dislike and what a, what a look cup might mean pre-snap and, 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 and where to go on the field. And there, there shouldn't be too many miscues coming out of the gate for a new quarterback wide receiver relationship. That's why I'm so high on it. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to see Devonte Adams in the AFC and the AFC West and what the Raiders can do. Um, I think, you know, as you know, the, it'll be a home game for him in Los Angeles week one. 
Um, you know, the other day I was at an Angels game. <laughs> I was at an Angels-Yankees uh, game in Anaheim, and they showed a Rams fan on the screen, and there were loud boos. And I'm like, okay, I'm in Orange County, and so why would they be booing a Rams fan? I don't think it's that they're all Charger fans and they hate the Rams. Um, I think it's just because there are Raider fans everywhere in Southern California, certainly in Orange County. And um, so I, I think they they got a, a nice little leg up in the first game, despite how improved the Chargers are and how many people are high on them to win the division. I, I just kind of dig them. I think that they're going to be a, a really good team. And, Rich, before we let you go, I know you got a lot of moving and shaking going on with the show right now, a lot of good things coming up. Uh, what can you let us know about this coming on with the Rich Eisen Show? Yeah, well, first of all, I love being on this station. The passionate uh, fans that I get calling in, and I love seeing the Vegas, um, you know, the, the, the name of Las Vegas on my call sheet whenever I look down and I see the callers and they're, you know, so-and-so from Vegas is calling. And I, I love it. Um, and I just loved being in Vegas for the draft. I can't wait to be in Vegas for the Super Bowl. I really think the NFL should have one of those two events in Las Vegas every other year, sort of like a, an Olympic-type rotation where the draft and, and the Super Bowl are, are part of, of the Vegas landscape and vice versa, uh, two out of every four years and just rotate it. Um, and then, you know, uh, that, so the radio aspect of my show is growing with such a terrific affiliate is, is yours and this one. Uh, and then the television side of things, I moved from Peacock to the Roku channel. Mm. Um, and that's going to come, uh, this month. We're testing out the new technology right now. So the, the TV show is coming to all Roku devices. Samsung Smart TVs, Amazon Fire TVs, uh, through the Roku channel, which is free on all of those uh, platforms. And then the Roku app can be downloaded to any phone or mobile device. And the Roku channel is free there as well. So you can watch it on the go wherever you are. And for those who have been taking in my show over the last couple of years on Peacock, on a desktop at work or wherever they are, the RokuChannel.com We'll have my show streaming on it for free. It's free in every spot. There's no paywall at all, which is what I, I kind of love about it. So anybody out there wants to call my show any day, any every day, I'm there. Uh, you want to watch it? I'm basically unavoidable. There's a podcast version all three hours of the <laughs> Cumulus Podcast Network where all podcasts are required. But um, I love talking to people. That's why I love doing this on, on NFL Network or Sports Center. before it. I just didn't have the ability to look down and talk to a human being who wants to have a conversation, which is what the beauty of radio is. So um, I, I can't wait to have another football season with the the show with my name on, Mad FL Network. It's right around the corner. So there it is. There it was right there. That was my conversation I had on Thursday, Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, with the great Rich Eisen. And he is great. He's been covering the NFL for a very long time. And it's so funny. I tweeted out that he was going to be on the show. And I got hit up by so many people like, Q, I don't know how I missed this. I'm sorry, but you got to put it on the pod. You got to put it on the pod. You got to put it on the pod. So no worries. I definitely wanted to make sure everyone got an opportunity to hear that conversation with the great Rich Eisen. So hopefully you enjoyed that. And again, he was one of the first guys on board with the silver and black this upcoming season you even heard about the the preview show that uh, he already taped and already have had meetings with with the nfl network guys and you can trust and believe that nobody else has them winning the afc west rich eisen 
he does. So uh, there you go. Coming up in segment number three, you're going to hear from some Raider alumni. How about Tim Brown? How about Marcus Allen? How about Raymond Chester? That's right. You're going to hear from all three of those guys. You got a couple Super Bowl champs. You got a couple Hall of Famers. You got uh, some really good players right there in TB, Marcus Allen, and Raymond Chester. You're going to hear all of those conversations coming up in segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time for you to hear from some more Raider alumni. Been doing this really all week long, all week strong, and been having a lot of fun with it. Had an opportunity to catch up with a lot of guys last Friday at Allegiant Stadium for Alumni Weekend. Jim Plunkett, Jerry Robinson, Raymond Chester, Mike Haynes, Phil Villapiano, Steve Wisniewski, Marcus Allen, and Tim Brown. So coming up in this segment, you're going to hear from Tim Brown. You're going to hear from Marcus Allen, both Hall of Famers. You're going to hear from Raymond Chester, Super Bowl champ. You're going to hear from those guys all here in segment number three. So we're going to get to this fast and furious uh, as we head into this weekend, Labor Day weekend. Hopefully everyone is uh, primed and ready to go and uh, gets a little bit more rest and relaxation before the grind begins. And when I talk about the grind, I'm talking about the NFL season. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Off top, let's talk about Tim Brown. We had an opportunity to catch up with him. He starts off talking about the addition of Devontae Adams, what it means to the team, and in particular, the Raiders offense and Derek Carr. What it does is it eliminates every excuse that uh, a team could possibly have. You, know, you have a guy like Devontae out there. You got a quarterback like you have with, De- with Derek. You have, you know, uh, the defense that you have with Chandler and, of course, our wild man, Mad Max. Um, man, it's time to go get it done, bro. You know, I mean, look, in my, you know, 16 years with the Raiders, you know, when it was about the guys in the locker room, we did. We played well. Got to the playoffs. When it was about everything else going around, going around the coaches and excuse me and all that, then then it was problematic. But as far as I know, as far as I can see, it's all about the guys in the locker room. So let's go get it done. All right. Now you, know, you hear uh, once a Raider, always a Raider. Um, what's that you know phrase mean to you? Well, you know, I mean, I play more games here than anybody, right? So, I mean, it's maybe, maybe, you know, for me, it's a little different than a guy who only played here for a couple of games and they still invite him back for this deal, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I think I don't have a choice, you know. I mean, some people around here even call me Mr. Raider, not why Jim Otto is around. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so, you know, I, I think for me, it, it certainly means something totally different. You know, I, I feel as if I hold the banner for this place, every, every place I go, everything I do. So, um, you know, wherever I go, I can't get away from it. You know what I mean? I played for Tampa one yet. They don't care about that. I mean, <laughs> all people care about is this. So that's that's what it's all about. Caught your hundredth touchdown pass with Tampa Bay. I did against the Raiders. Yeah. Oddly enough, I remember you know that game. I mean? Yeah, in know. Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's it's funny how life comes back, and uh, it was great for Mister Davis. So he needs to see that. He needs to see. That. <laughs> Tim, I've been asking the other guys this. You know from Oakland to L.A., back to Oakland to Vegas. The one word that's rung true is brotherhood. We hear the young guys on this squad use it, that there's something to the history of this team, brotherhood. When you hear those two words, Raiders and brother, in the same sentence, your definition of what that means. Well, look, you know, you can say those words, and to you guys it means something totally different than what it means for us. You know, I think when you play for this franchise, you understand that it's you versus the world. You know, you understand that for a time there, the league seemingly had something to get this get this franchise. I'm not saying they did, but it sure looked like they did. And, you know, I think 
once you go through that, you realize the only way we're going to get this thing done is we got to be tight. We, we got to treat each other like family, like we are brothers. And that's how we got to go out and play this game. Because if we don't, any slip, they're going to get in there. They're going to take advantage of it. We're going to be out the deal. So, I mean, you know, I think from that standpoint, man, you know, when we say brotherhood here, for the guys who played here, especially some meaningful years, it means a lot. It means a lot. Just, you know, not just saying, hey, you're part of the brotherhood, but, you know, understand what that really means. Because uh, sometimes in that locker room, man, it could be dark, dark looking days and, you know, you got to find a way to get through it. And, you know, looking at your brother, he's saying, we got it. Right. Makes a, makes a difference sometimes. Tim, it took you a while to get into the Hall of Fame. It took too long, but it took even longer for Cliff Branch. What did you think when you finally saw him in Enshrined Forever and Candlelight? You know, I just, just sad. I'm sad, man, to be honest with you. You know, I know we should be happy, but I'm not because I know how much Cliff would have enjoyed, right. you know, the presentation and everything that was done on, on his behalf. You know, when I came in the league in 88, they were talking about putting Cliff in. Right. You know, Fred had just gone in. I believe, and um, and everybody was saying Cliff would, would be next, and uh, it, it's really a shame that you know uh, a guy uh, of, of his stature in this league who did the things he did during his time, you know, didn't didn't get the recognition while he was on his hurt. But I'm happy that his name would be there. But man, it, it's really really sad that you know Cliff is a party guy, man. He yeah, was a yeah, party yeah. guy, you know. He was all about it. So the life of the party. So I can't even imagine. You know, we had a great time at his event. Yeah. My God, how, how much better would it have been if he would have been there? Could you imagine that party with Diana Ross and Cliff Branch? There? He would have been up there with her the whole time. <laughs> they would have to have security on the stage for her, for him, because he would have been up there. Ain't no doubt about that. There's the Hall of Famer right there, Tim Brown, talking about Cliff Branch at the end, and just awesome to hear him talking about him. But again, like you mentioned, you know, just kind of sad that he didn't make it in there. And Tim Brown was a guy, if you remember, was very angry as long as it took him to get into the Hall of Fame. Could you imagine Cliff Branch? how he was feeling as long as it took him to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But speaking of Hall of Famers, how about Marcus Allen? That was another guy that we had an opportunity to catch up with. He starts off with my guy Willie Ramirez from the AP asking a question to him. So here it is, Marcus Allen from Friday night at Allegiant Stadium. So Marcus, a day like this, especially with this franchise and how the deep history, bringing the alumni here, what it means. Um, teammates are everything, man, especially uh, – you forge an incredible bond with guys that you you have this uh, you know this ultimate goal uh, achieving and uh, the quest to get there. You know it's it's not always easy, man. There's a lot of bumpy roads, a lot of uh, challenges, and um, and I think through that, that's where you develop these great relationships and stuff that last. Uh, I mean, you know, for a lifetime, frankly. I'd ask a couple of the other guys. You've seen this franchise go from Oakland to L.A., back to Oakland, now to Vegas. The young guys that are on this team now, they use the word brotherhood. They understand the history, what it means. When you hear the word Raiders and brotherhood in the same sentence, what is that definition for you? Well, we're certainly a band of brothers, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> when you, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, a, you know, it's unique. It really is. Uh, and everybody, I mean, I'm sure every organization feels that way, but there's something, you know, the mystique with the Raiders, the, uh, you know, the autumn wind, the song itself, you know, and it really yeah, tells a, an incredible story about an organization that, uh, you know, really sort of believes and, and, and teaches that, hey, if you, it's ours. Let's go get it. And we let nothing stand in our way. So um, and you have a bunch of guys that, you know, it's almost like 
as a kid growing up and you know and, and, and watching the Raiders and stuff and they were sort of bigger than life and then to go there and to you know to to experience and play with that that same sort of style that I watched on TV and stuff and so it's yeah we have some rich rich traditions some great great players and um, you can't even talk about the National Football League without talking about the Raiders it's such a uh, huge part of the whole entire story so Marcus you were drafted by the Oakland Raiders they moved to LA no. right after was no but when they drafted you they were Oakland. Was? Oh. yeah you're on video site I'm an Oakland feel... Raider yeah but oh you... you're right I think I yeah. was but yeah, well, yeah you threw I always said, up. well I, I, I always said I never played in Oakland, never played in Oakland. Have, yeah, but you so. were but you were an LA Raider yeah. now they're in Vegas when you walk in this stadium I mean what do you what goes through your mind when you look around and say wow the Raiders finally have a home yeah that, that that's amazing and I've said that before uh and what an incredible job uh, Mark Davis did. Uh, you know, it was a, it was an overnight success. It was a long, <laughs> long time coming, man. Obviously, the years in Los Angeles, as you mentioned, uh, then going back to um, to Oakland. Uh, so some people just thought that, you know, this was just a recent event. I'm saying, no, they, they actually moved in 82 to get a new stadium. It didn't work out. They moved back, you know, and... And so uh, this has been a uh, an ongoing uh, quest, and uh, that Mark fulfilled. Uh, I mean, that's what he wanted to do and stuff. And he built a fabulous, amazing place. It's my first time walking through the wind uh, suite, so it's it's pretty cool. What, really what would you say to the fan base that just hasn't embraced Las Vegas yet because of oh, all the history? There's some that haven't yet. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even know that. <laughs> uh, there's a few. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a few. Listen here, you got you, you got to get on board, right? <laughs> what was it like being in Canton to see your brother Cliff Branch get in, oh, inducted into the man, hall? And that was. You know, it was bittersweet, honestly. Right. I thought it was bittersweet. Because I felt it was long, long overdue, you know. And I had an opportunity to speak, and I said I could not understand why uh, these people didn't witness or under, you know, didn't see what I witnessed my, you know, my, my rookie year uh, until, you know, my last year with Cliff as a, as a player. I witnessed his greatness. And I and I said this before, the only person that stopped Cliff Branch was the, the coach not calling his number. That was it, plain and simple. Mel Blunt, who's one of the greatest TVs that ever played with, telling me he only feared maybe one guy, and it was Cliff. Yeah. That's great. The Hall of Famer Marcus Allen right there talking about Cliff Branch at the end, and that was special, right? That was really special saying that Mel Blunt said there was only one guy he feared, and that was Cliff Branch. I mean, that lets you know all you really need to know about how special Cliff Branch was, and I like what Marcus said about him as well, that the only thing that slowed down Cliff Branch was the coach not calling his number. That's that's pretty special as well. So that was a really good conversation. I got one more for you, and I know I'm going a little bit long, but hell, it's Labor Day weekend, so let's go ahead and jump into it. I got an opportunity to catch up with Raymond Chester, the tight end, big-time player, Super Bowl champ with the silver and black. Raymond Chester was a fun conversation. Here it is, Raymond Chester at Allegiant Stadium Friday night. Here with Raymond Chester here at Alumni Day. Over 300 of you guys are here at Allegiant Stadium as in preparation for this game, but it's really the weekend, and the Raiders celebrating you guys. What does that mean to you? Well, man, I got butterflies, man. I see all these guys, you know, and most of them are looking fit, you know, and uh, 
excited about coming through the stadium. Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of the old old feeling, you know, on the way to the stadium, on the bus, that kind of thing like that. But no, we we have realized that you know it's long past our time, and we're just excited about the new Raiders, the Raiders here, and the you know the Las Vegas Raiders, um, what what Mark has done with the team. Um, the new coaches, the new management, man. We're, I'm excited like I don't know what about <laughs> what we've seen so far in preseason. Yeah. Uh, I like the simplicity mm-hmm. of both the defense and, and the offense. I'm looking for great things out of the offense in terms of production. Um, also looking for great things from the defense. Uh, you know, there's it's some things that stick out at you. You know, we'd like to stop the run a little better. We'd like to run the ball a little better. Right. We always want to have more pass protection. So those are the things we'll be looking for tonight, and you know as the season progresses. You know, you mentioned the preseason. The Raiders are looking really good. They're three and zero. I know that it doesn't matter in the win loss column, but what does it matter? You know, what does that mean for a team to go and start off with a new regime and they're three and zero in the preseason? Look like they understand what they're doing. Hey, anybody that tells you that winning does not matter, <laughs> preseason. I don't care if it's marbles, hopscotch, yeah, or yeah. pitching horseshoes. All players, all athletes want to win. Right. So preseason or what? Even if you don't play in the game, you still want the boasting rights. You want to right. win. So anybody tells you the preseason that well, winning in preseason doesn't matter. Right. Is is smoking something? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. Right. So, but so in answer to your question, um, we get a good chance to see, you know, a lot of a lot of aspects of the offense and the defense. The good thing about getting ahead and and you know and winning, like going into the second half and whatever like that. It's more players get to play. Right. So all the guys on the, on the team are are hoping to get on the field, do something positive, get a lead. The starters are saying we get a lead, we can get out of the game. Yeah, yeah, easy. right. The, the guys that are trying to make the team are saying get a lead so we can get into the game. Right. So it all it all shapes up. You know, and and you, you talked about uh, having 300 members of the alumni here. What does it mean for the Raiders organization to be so adamant and make sure that they take care of their alumni and bring you back? Because every organization doesn't do that. Well, you know what? The Raiders understand the, the, whole, the true meaning of family. Yeah. Um, you know, family, to have family, you have to be family. So the Raiders, Mark can't go around talking about his family unless he, he exemplifies family. And the players to reciprocate. I mean, these guys, we are brethren. And we all respect that and feel that and express that in, uh, in, in different ways. But mainly we support the team if there's such a thing as a vibe, yeah. as, a, as a spirit of winning and whatever like that. We bring it right. when we come, man. So I think, I think Mark is well on his way to, to doing recreating the, the, the ambiance and the aura that we, had, we established when we were in Oakland here in Las Vegas. And I'll tell you, the fans love it. The fans are, I mean, are, are just locked in to this franchise and, and the silver and black. And I, I'd like to think that the old guys help, help, you know, help to establish that. Oh, no, you guys planted the roots. You guys were the roots of everything. But I, I, before I let you go, I want to ask you about this building that we're in right now, Legion Stadium. You've seen the uh, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, the, the headquarters. What do you think of just the facilities in general? Oh, my God, man. You know, you, <laughs> you, you know if you ever played anything, just badminton or pitching pennies, you walk into the stadium, you, you know, you get a sense that you want to play, man. I want, holy mother, well, you know, let me let me play one play. Yeah, one yeah, yeah. So it's just the uh, stadium is obviously state of the art. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful tribute to to uh, you know Al Davis 
and and Mark, who you know fit, fulfilled the dream, yeah. uh, as well as the other executives and coaches and, and the, all the staff in the Raider organization. This is a fabulous stadium, and I think the Raiders are going to establish a reputation for like really, really getting off when they play in this stadium. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah. There he goes. That's the Super Bowl champ right there, Raymond Chester, tied in for the silver and black, and really fun conversation. I can't tell you what I was laughing at at the beginning. That something had happened. I don't remember what it was because it was a week ago now. Something happened that made me laugh at the beginning when we first started talking about Raymond Chester. So uh, that's that's a little bit behind the scenes kind of peek uh, what was going on. But uh, lots of fun being able to catch up with all those guys. And please believe there's still more uh, that I got to get to. Uh, Mike Haynes, I had an opportunity to talk to him. Steve Wisniewski had an opportunity to talk to him. Uh, who else? Jerry Robinson, haven't got him on the pod yet. Uh, that'll all come up on Monday's show. But uh, that's going to do it for, for the week. That's going to do it for me. Uh, hopefully everyone has a really good weekend. Labor Day is coming up on Monday. I'll get a little bit of R&R, a little rest and relaxation before the grind begins, which is the NFL season coming up, and I'm super excited about that. So Raider Nation, uh, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Love on your family. Most importantly, as always, until Monday, just win, baby.